the great soft myob acquisition takeover, call it what you will. We just need to find out what the what the result of the ACCC will be, and that will give us the, and the market certainly a lot more clarity as to what the future direction is going to be. It's then absolutely going to be incumbent on MIOB if this is a successful merger to clarify and stipulate what this will mean for the accounting firms that utilize their products going forward. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 275 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. There's accounting software, then there is practice management software, and then there is tax software, and all three should talk to each other and seamlessly work together. Tax software doesn't get much limelight. Many of us on Zero just use the free version of Zero Tax and don't think much about it until we outgrow it. But once we do, there is a plethora of options, and it is these options that Alan Fitzgerald will discuss with you in this episode. You might have heard of Alan Fitzgerald before, since he has quite a few media appearances about tax and accounting software and works closely with associations like the Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. Now that there's been an announcement that Greatsoft are being acquired by Myob. The acquisition of Greatsoft by Myob really surprised me because I thought Greatsoft was really close to zero. I always thought of zero and Greatsoft as being buddies. Was that unfounded, that impression? or? Oh, no. <laughs> you nailed that one. That, it's, uh, it came out of left field. I mean, Myob have been planning to release their own cloud tax and accounting suite, so that the connected practice, they call it. So currently they have two suites, which is Myob AO and Myob AE. And in the development program is the connected practice. That is, they're still making product releases. They made one, they announced what they were going to release in the December quarter on LinkedIn just last week or at the beginning of November, uh, end of October. And so they're still actively developing their cloud replacement. And I've seen the tax product. It's missing the individual returns. This will be individual tax return piece. But everything else is there. It, it seems to be pretty functional. So it's, uh, as I said, that the individual piece is, is the missing element, um, but that will come with time. But it certainly surprised me about the great soft announcement. I think that's, it's upset a lot of firms. Uh, I've been connected with a lot of firms here in Australia and, and I've done work for them over the years. And even a lot of firms that I'm not, haven't done any work have been in contact with me because They're not comfortable about potentially moving back to Myob. Um, and they're also frustrated that what they thought was the knight in shining armor, which is going to rescue them from the client server environment and put them into the cloud from an enterprise product, is suddenly no longer the knight in shining armor that they thought it was. It's going to be fallout either way. If it is successful and it, it's, it is accepted by the ACCC, there'll be fallout. If it's not accepted by the ACCC, it's going to be, there's going to be fallout too. It's a sort of Damocles, so it's hanging by a thread. And regardless of which way, what happens, there's going to be a lot of upset firms. Three questions before we drill more into mm. that. The first one is, how can you not do individual tax returns, ITRs? They're working on it. It hasn't been released yet. So the tax products, tax products take a long time to develop. And the challenge with them is is that fortunately the government keeps on changing its mind about things so that there's uh, the compliance updates and software changes 
are annual and they just keep on rolling and rolling and rolling. And so the the priority was given to companies, partnerships, trusts, SPAS, those kind of things with the more complex and probably the most complex element, which is the uh, the individual returns left to the last minute. So they're anticipating, this is my ob, anticipating having that ad based on their last video in Q1 of next year, but that'll be version one of the of the of the solution. So there'll no doubt be some tweaking in advance of the July 1 release dates. Why is the individual tax return, the ITR, the most complicated software technology-wise? Because just because it has the most fields or? So many variances within there. So this, it, mm. when you think of a tax return application, you So many have supplements. This supplements, you've got also feeding in from the trust software you know, from uh, potentially companies. There's a whole pile of elements that feed into it that it's there there are a lot more parameters and a lot more things to get wrong that is one of the probably the one of the more complex we have we've got an incredibly complex tax system in australia the tax return applications and that's one of the reasons that i love tax is that it, it never sits still and so that's the uh, that that changing the constant evolution of tax is one that you, you can't sit on your hands and, and wait to see what happens and so to get that right in the in the initial releases, there's a lot of pressure on the development and the the release cycle on that. So I think what they're doing is they're playing a very cautious game, and in ensuring that the breadwinner for a lot of uh, firms is the individual tax return. So they to be making sure that they get it right before they release it. So the plan for MYOB is that eventually you have the company tax return, you press a button and the dividends feed into the relevant individual tax return of the shareholder. You do a partnership tax return and with the press of a button, the distributed income feeds into the individual tax return and the same with trust distributions, etc. And that that kind of works how the tax return works anyway these days for most of the vendors out there. There's that all of those that then are, are interconnected. The, Not in zero. No, no, yeah, true. But it, in, in certain elements of it, shall we say, and that there's reasons for that, which I'm happy to delve into, but the, the with the tax return applications, the more Uh, shall we say, the ones that you pay more money for, there is functionality in there that uh, that doesn't exist in other applications that you don't pay for, for example. And so there's compromise. When you move from one tax application to another, it's like it's like changing a car, is that it's fundamentally, it does the same thing, but there's different ways of doing it. So the indicators might be on one side versus the one that you're used to, because if you're driving a, you're driving a European car versus a uh, an Australian-made car, or it's got a different look and feel, but fundamentally does the same thing. So it's just those little elements that need to come into play. And then my second thought or question is, one of the big bugbears when I was still working with MYUB was that they had so many different versions that really frustrated me. I had hoped with the move to the cloud, MYUB would finally step away from having all these different versions slash products and would just have one product. But they seem to be just continuing on their merry way of having many different versions slash products. Yeah. Well, I guess to understand Myob is that they've never actually developed anything for, for in, in the tax and accounting space for accounting firms. It's only been through acquisition. So they acquired Solution 6 back in about 2001, 2002, which in turn stemmed from a product that was created in the 1980s called Hartley Systems. So they've, they acquired the, the, the tax and the accounting component 
that is the same as in, is used in AE today. So AE tax is the same product from a tax perspective is still solution six tax. It looks looks different on the on, from the the user interface, but fundamentally sitting in the background is a 16-bit architecture proprietary database. It's still the most robust and probably most comprehensive tax application in the Australian marketplace, but it is, yeah, in essence, 35 years old. They acquired the, the, the AE practice management was an acquisition for, uh, called Viztopia from the UK in about 2003. The um, AO stemmed from the acquisition of CA systems from New Zealand back in, I've forgotten the date, that's going back a long time ago now, when they rebranded to AO. And so the connected practice is actually their first attempt, first toe in the water at creating a new generation suite. And they've, they're kind of lost in, in that space. It's taken them a long time to get there because they don't have any core experience. They, they know how to support the product, but they don't necessarily know how to develop the product. Um, and so they've had to learn that development cycle over time. Yeah, so you have a scenario where the Myob themselves, I don't think actually understand who their market is. So they have two products, one for the larger, which can be used from small to larger firms, which is AE. And then you have the AO product, which is typically for the smaller firms. And so they have these two sets of products. So when they started developing the connected practice, it's like, okay, this is one product to, to replace both of those. So it'll be good for a small firm as well as the big one. If the acquisition goes through with Greatsoft, they will have for a period of time, and that period of time could be four, five, 10 years, they will have four practice management tax and accounting software suites. Now, that is just, that makes no sense whatsoever. And that's where the advantage of Zero, because Zero don't have a legacy issues with them. So Zero just came into the market 10 years ago and said, hi, we're Zero, this is what we do. We don't have any legacy applications to support. And this is the biggest challenge for MIB is the fact that they have to support those legacy applications. So there'll be a a point in time, I actually wrote about this on my blog. I wrote extensively about it on my blog a couple of, um, about two years ago. But if you, um, if they get a new client on the connected practice, it, it basically says to the marketplace, we're giving you a new product and reading between the lines, that is then an invitation for the client to look at other products that exist out in the marketplace. And they may well find something that is better for them. So my have just lost, the, instead of migrating a client, they've actually just lost a client but they have incurred the costs associated with the development of that product. So there's a lot of cost going into the development of these products at the moment, but they're not actually getting a huge amount of return for them because the cost of development, they can't, they shouldn't, I don't know if they are, but they shouldn't be selling this as a brand new product because the clients have been paying monthly maintenance and the monthly maintenance is for R&D purposes. So therefore, the client should be getting the next generation product for free. No, it's not for free, sorry, but for at no additional cost over what they um, have been playing, uh, have been already been paying. So there's a whole pile. This is where the, the whole acquisition of Greatsoft is so confusing to the marketplace because it fundamentally, if it goes ahead, they're going to lose clients because there have been firms that have left Myob to go to Greatsoft because they didn't want to be with Myob anymore. So they're going to lose those clients. But if then, if it doesn't succeed, Greatsoft have put themselves into the position where they've said, we're for sale, come buy us. And so why, it would be very difficult for a firm to say, I will go to, to Greatsoft 
because I know that they will potentially be bought by someone and do I know what that will mean for me into the future? As an accounting firm, I'm pretty uncomfortable about thinking about that. So you think the reason that great software into MYOB is in the end is money? MYOB just oh, purely money. offered... My opinion on that, sorry, just Heidi, is my opinion is that they, they're not necessarily selling. They, they didn't sell as many firms as they thought they would. And Myob came in and said, here's, here's a big, or KKR in the US, probably more effectively, their, their parent in the US, which is a venture capitalist, which is all about money, came in and said, just, we'll give you some money. Do you want to take the offer? And it was probably an offer too good to refuse. So they went, yeah, sure. Let's see if we can get it past the regulatory authorities. Because with respect to alignment, they were much closer to zero, weren't they? I mean, they had developed the whole product to integrate with zero. Well, no, nobody comes to Australia with practice management without having a, a tax product. You have, tax, tax and practice management are intrinsically attached. So you have to have one. Uh, you can't, I mean, APS did it 20 years ago when they came into the marketplace. They came in with practice management, but they quickly realized they had to have tax to bolt onto that. To, to be able to sell more, to be able to convince more accounting firms to move to APS. Greatsoft, being a cloud application, has the advantage that they can, you, through APIs, can link through to a number of API-based cloud products. The only one that existed in the marketplace a couple of years ago really was, well, there's two. There was one is Logis over from WA, and the other one was Zero. And they went down the zero path because zero obviously has the SME market, and there's a lot of firms that have zero clients within there, whereas Logit doesn't have a, a general ledger system for their solution. So it made sense for from a zero's perspective to align with with Greatsoft, and it made absolute sense for Greatsoft to align with zero. This is already the second software that really would have made sense for a zero to buy, and they didn't buy it. The first one, I think, was Receipt Bank. I think it would have been great if Zero and Receipt Bank had joined forces because, yeah, Receipt Bank is a really strong product, stronger than HubDoc at the moment. And also, Zero doesn't have a history of really developing the products once they have bought them. They tend to just buy them and then leave them. So it would have been much better if they had acquired Receipt Bank, I think. And now it happened the second time. I think it would have been much better if Zero had it, or let me say it differently, it would have been really good for Zero users if Zero had bought. Great soft. It's interesting you should say that because um, Zero announced just a few weeks back about the big changes that they're making to their practice management, i.e. Workflow Max and, and yes. the changes that they're making there. Uh, I don't think that was prompted by anything, but I think they realized that they had to make changes within that software suite to be, to be able to attract a different uh, type of audience. Now, the challenge for them right now with the, the announcement of the GreatSoft MYOB potential merger is that for the last 12 or so months, they've actually been actively encouraging those firms that have kind of outgrown, for want of a better description, outgrown zero to move to, to GreatSoft. So they've been saying to the client base, oh, look, if, if you think that great, so zero is too small for you, you can still use our tax if you go to GreatSoft. And so they've, they've actually... <laughs> I don't know how they're going to backpedal from this one, but you know, they, so they, they've encouraged encouraging clients to move to Greatsoft, and now if Greatsoft gets acquired, they've basically said, yeah, "We're encouraging you to go to MYOB," or "We we have actually encouraged you to go to MYOB." The challenge for Zero coming up is that MYOB sell a tax product, so how are they then going to align the tax products with Greatsoft? Because Greatsoft has always been about freedom of choice. 
Well, myob has been almost the antithesis of the freedom of choice where you have to, yeah, it, it's about the suite. Now, the connected practice was, yeah, there's elements where we want you to use purely myob, but there will be also best of breed. I just think there, it's just the, the confusion in the marketplace and the confusion about the strategy, they need to actually be completely, if it's approved or if it's not approved, they then need to come out and say, this is what our strategy is, because right now it's too confusing. The approval by ACCC is only a formality, isn't it? I can't see them I, declining it because MYUB is not that big and Greatsoft is not that big. It's debatable. If you look at Greatsoft and the market that they can address, which is anything up to like 14, 1500 users, maybe more, that is absolutely the market that in the cloud, I should say, it's 14, 1500 users in the cloud. That is the market that the connected practice was aiming at because that's the, that's the market that they play in, both of them play in. So that would mean there was only there's only two players that can play in that space, Greatsoft and the connected practice. Now, if they buy Greatsoft, well, they've haven't they just bought their competitor in that space? And that's where I think the ACCC will be going, hmm, hold on a second, let's take a step back. I mean, I can't read their minds, but MYOB lost their biggest client in Australia, which is RSM to Greatsoft. RSM, I don't know, 1,300 staff, a whole pile of offices around the, around the countryside. They lost that to, to Greatsoft and Zero. And now if the merger goes ahead, they'll be back in the Myob fold. I don't know what the reaction from the firm will be. It'd be really interesting to have been a fly on the wall. God, I would love to have been a fly on the wall. But <laughs> but it was it would be a really interesting thing to from from that perspective. So all I know, Heidi, is that I've had at least a half a dozen large firms, so in excess of a hundred staff, call me up. Some clients who I have never dealt with before calling me and expressing their disappointment, shall we say about what both parties have done, both the Myob and, and Greatsoft. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the, uh, the ACCC reads into that. Because there's a public submissions. You can make submissions to, to, the, to the ACCC. To me, it all looks like a dog's breakfast at the moment. The tech solution from Zero is very, very basic. MYOB is a dog's breakfast, now with Greatsoft as well. QuickBooks is, I think, is awkward for the Australian market. Then there's Thomson Reuters, TechLab, and ICHH. Thomson Reuters and CHH are very strong in the States. When I spoke to a few firms in the States, nobody was using zero text. They were all saying it's no, not no. supported. And they were all on a Thomson Reuters product or on a CHH product. Yeah. So CCH and, and, and Thomson Reuters in Australia, they compete on two different levels. So one is in the corporate tax space. So you have one source corporate tax and CCH integrator. So that is your large end of town. So your your banks, your miners, where you need provisions, consolidations, et cetera, and, and particularly the consolidation piece and in-depth reporting, heaps of automation. So it, that that's what that's the element that they are the market that they play in. That's number one market. The secondary market is for the accounting firms. So Thomson Reuters have got a product, they acquired a company called Onvio. Oh, sorry, they acquired a product called Software Assistant which became Onvio. So Onvio is the global rebrand. And that is for smaller accounting firms. And CCH acquired Eclipse out of the New Zealand in about 2011, 2012, and rebranded that as CCH iFirm. Now CCH iFirm, whilst they do have their own tax product, 
they have acquired two tax products. One is CatSoft, which is a, a small Melbourne-based, I think they were, a, a tax software, but they also integrate into Zero Tax. So they too also utilize Zero, Zero uh, for their tax engine uh, for the most part. The Intuit side of things with QuickBooks, generally aimed at the, at the smaller accounting firms, but they use Logit. They partner with Logit. Logit is actually one of the cleverest tax tools out in, in the marketplace. So it's- Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because it, it's kind of like a tax lab in that sense where it, it's not just a simple form filler. It'll produce a set of stat accounts. It'll produce a whole pile of stuff. It is comprehensive uh, in, its, uh, in the work papers, like, like a tax lab, uh, comprehensive in the working papers, and it does a lot, has a lot more automation built into it. So when, when you look at a free product versus what you get for with a paid product, obviously with a paid product, you get more functionality. And this is the catch-22, is that a lot of the firms that I deal with, for example, they utilize APS or they utilize MIOB, be that AO or AE, and they utilize uh, zero, but they do all of the work external to the forms in, in external working papers, then just type in the numbers in, into the tax return. In a logit and in a tax lab, you actually have the built-in working papers. So you do the work in the tax return. And it produces then the stat accounts that spit out at the end of it. So, hey, Presto, you've got your stat accounts sitting, coming directly out of your tax return. And then you also have all of the working papers, all the notes and reconciliations and journals and, and audit trails in the actual tax return application. And so it's one of the things that is progressively, um, and I, I did a presentation to the Tax Institute recently, is about the whole the changing nature of tax return engines is going from being this flat file structure to more of a whole of database approach to, to having tax return data. Because what we're ultimately going to be getting, and there's already you know, people dipping their toes in the water in this, is the ability to do data analytics and benchmarking across, across tax data rather than, say, financial data. So being able to accurately track non-deductible uh, expenses pick a topic it is lit this is the whole thing once you have a database ID. of tax you can choose anything that you want and this is it so that a lot of these tax applications that are out there have got very flat file reporting so you can get information out but you can't do a lot with that information so you can say give me a list of all the people that live in sydney 2000 that have got an income greater than you know between 150 and 175000 dollars that have this amount, this amount of deductions and you can get a report out and you can utilize stuff with that but to be able to slice and dice your entire database in a way that is has been previously impossible to do that is the direction that we're heading to mm. and then adding on layers of and machine learning and robotic process automation and so forth. And it's not about taking the role of the accountant out of the equation. I mean, automation is about making repetitive, dull processes, just automating those processes. Uh, and a good example, I mean, like 10 years ago, I was selling a, at, uh, when I was at Thomson Reuters, selling a product that used to automate the cross-referencing of working papers for a corporate tax return. Now, a corporate tax return can be that thick and it's it's a four day three or four day task to do all of the cross referencing so when the you know can does the, the three or four days brings it into the partner and goes oh yeah i just need to change that one figure change that number that's blown up all of the calculations they have to go back and do it again it would automate all of the cross referencing now i actually did a presentation to a guide expressly on this and he cried because he had just spent three days doing the cross referencing and he said i have just 
seeing you do that in 30 seconds. And it took me four to, uh, three days to do it. And that's what, that's what the automation piece comes into play. You know, it's taking this, the, the tasks that are no value to either the client or to the individual doing the tax return, getting rid of that. The tax return itself, I don't believe, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's going to be automated. There'll be pre-fills and so forth, but the whole compliance piece is, is not going to be automated. Cross-referencing, what is that about? Oh, cross-referencing. So you have this work paper, this figure in this particular worksheet relates to this you know, a working paper. So on the tax return, you might have a figure in, in one of the fields. That number then refers to the working paper in the ta- in this stack of, of tax documents, refers to that worksheet and so mm-hmm. forth. If you say, for argument's sake, that was, there was a deductible on an entertainment expense, well, there will be a working paper that shows all of those deductions rather than just the figure in the tax return. So there'll be a cross-reference in the corporate tax return to that particular field in the working papers. And yes. so all of the all of this stuff was previously done was done manually. Sorry to come to this from a very basic level, but in a way you could cover all the cross-referencing by using a very detailed chart of accounts. So for example, by booking your entertainment expenses in great detail, broken up in lots of different accounts, and then you just need to have a link from your accounting software to the relevant fields in the tax return. That costs money. And that's the thing. And that's why the corporate guys pay the amount that they do for a uh, per entity on a per entity basis for these solutions because they're churning through millions, if not tens of millions of transactions the whole uh, every day. Or sorry, at the, certainly at the end of the year. When you have tens of millions of transactions and you need to be able to cross-reference where all of those transactions came from, that costs a lot of money to create in the software in the first place. And so tax software, you can have the best product with all the features and a very hefty price tag, but nobody will buy it or few people will buy it. And that's why there's a difference in the marketplace between Thomson Reuters and CCH in that corporate tax space and Thomson Reuters and CCH in the general accounting firm space and the zeros of this, which are then a, a further step down from a price perspective, as in pretty much for free. The world of tax is, is good. There's a whole pile of different scales as to where, depending on what functionality is required, it is basically how deep your pockets are. So if you break tax software down into steps, you basically have four steps. The first one is feeding data into fields. Zero, for example, does that at a very high level for business expenses and business income, for example. You can basically feed in the first level, but then when you start looking at more detailed information fields, then you need to enter it manually. But So that's the first step, feeding data into fields. Then the second step is feeding data that you can't directly feed into the tax return to feed that data into a work paper and then to feed that work paper into the relevant tax return field. Then to have links between the different tax returns so that if you, for example, have a complicated holding structure that the dividends from one company directly feed into the next company. So basically have the tax returns linked together. And then the fourth step is what you already discussed. It's the analytics to be able to I mean, you could say the fourth st- step is to be able to lodge, but let's assume that that is a given in all well, these software. Yeah, let's assume that's a given, yeah. That's a given, so then the fourth step is the analytics you just discussed. So that's right. basically what a software needs to cover. And of course, the basic ones only cover the, the surface and the more intricate ones, of course, go a lot more in, into the nitty gritty detail. Correct. So if you think of like Tax Lab as an example, again, I'm 
I'll reiterate, I, I wear a hat for those guys. I've been helping those guys launch into Australia. So TaxLab can import an entire Zero file, as an example, so connect directly into Zero, pull in every transaction out of that Zero file, will allocate it to the appropriate area of within working papers within the tax return, the working papers within the tax lab tax return engine. From there, you can do the necessary adjustments. It then will spit out, as I said, the um, stat accounts piece, and then would also produce the tax return. So you, you start to kill numerous birds at one stone. So when you do adjustments within the working papers, you've got the audit trail. So you're building up the audit trail. So from a, a data security perspective, for one of a better thing, you can lock down once you've uh, approved. So if Heidi approves the, the, that particular work paper, you can see that Heidi approved it at 1.46 p.m. on the 4th of November, 2020. And then so you can actually work through a, a rather complex tax return and you can see what elements have been approved and then what other elements may need to be um, may need to be amended and so it all color codes and comes up with the different green lights red lights amber lights that sort of things and so you're actually getting into a process where you can do a tax return we <laughs> i did it, we i didn't do the demo but one of the guys did the demo we did a company tax return with a number of small adjustments in it produced a set of stat accounts the tax return blah 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 and ready to hit the lodge and it was basically faster than zero was, and that's utilizing zero data, because the whole pro the end-to-end -end process of doing the stat accounts, doing all, getting all the working papers, doing all that stuff, contained within one application. This is the key thing: is that you don't have to go outside, and this is the future of tax: is that you don't go have to worry about all of these bits and pieces out here. I've got the work papers here, but then I'll I'll bring them in and stuff. You're actually in the application, so when you pull in your data. The system is clever enough that goes, ah, you need these work papers and presents you only with the work papers for, with the, for which those transactions are relevant. So it's, it's like if there, isn't, if there isn't a transaction against, I don't know, entertainment expenses, it won't pull up the entertainment work papers because it goes, well, there isn't any entertainment. So let's not put it in there. I always thought, oh gosh, it is so confusing. It's so difficult. The accounting or tech software market is so difficult. There are so many solutions and none of them are perfect. There's no perfect solution. So that's, <laughs> exactly. right. that's what keeps us all in a, in a job. <laughs> exactly. But then I thought that's probably the case for any software market. If you look at construction software, there are lots of solutions and none of them are perfect and you have to go through the details and probably get professional help to choose the one that's right for you. So my frustration that all this is so confusing is probably a little bit petulant in terms of that that's just the way it is. That's just any software market is, no matter which industry or niche you go into. Hence the reason that my business exists, because I'm able to go into an accounting firm and say, what do you want? What what are you, what are your goals? What what do you as a firm want to do in the next three to five years, and we'll match the software that exists in the marketplace to those goals. But also, I'll be able to say these are some of the things that are coming that you need to be aware of in in the marketplace. I've been doing a heap of stuff around Microsoft Office recently because it's over the last two years I've been doing a heap of stuff about Microsoft Office because. That suite, people just think it's you know, um, Word, Outlook, and Excel. But there is so much sitting in, in Microsoft Office that it offers up a huge amount of, of opportunity. Tax software, I get a lot of questions about tax software. What, well, which, which is the best tax software? Well, what's the, what are you planning to do? Where do you want to do, where, how do you want to, do you want a simple process? So is it, will a zero suffice for what you need? 
Or do you need a more comprehensive tax return? Do you need to do consolidations? Do you have to do tax provisioning work? You know, DTAs and DTLs, you have to do all that kind of stuff. Well, you're not going to get that in a zero tax. You're not going to, you're going to have to use Excel in even in a MyOB and an APS. You know, I had a guy phone me up, actually zero referred him to me. And he said, mate, I believe you're the only person that can, that can help me out here. And I went, yeah, okay, what's the question? And he was asking for this obscure tax. And I went, oh, and I went, look, how deep are your pockets? And he went, why? I said, because it's going to cost you about 120 grand. Okay, that's not for me. And he ended up giving the client to one of the big four to do because he thought that it was, this is great. This, this client has come to me and I'll be able to do his tax. But he realized he didn't know quite what application to use. And so he approached his, his supplier, which is Zero, and the head of tax at Zero said, no, nah, no, nah, you need to talk to Alan. He's the, he'll, he'll know who to buy. And it was just like, this guy is a, is a very tech-savvy accounting firm and basically bit off more than he could choose. So he, he passed it on to one of the big four. But it was a case of, you're going to have to spend about 120 grand for that one, mate. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Why 120 grand? That's what some of these software solutions cost. For tax, tax. This is this is why I love tax. Tax can be everything from free to I've seen orders to three, four hundred thousand dollars just for a tax software application. It's crazy. Yes, absolutely crazy. One of my favorite examples. I, I was discussing. Um, I had a, a a breakfast meeting or a coffee meeting at nine o'clock one morning. This is about three years ago. Nine, nine o'clock one morning with a with a virtual CFO that turned over his clients turned over on average you know two to four million dollars. At eleven o'clock, I was in with Rio Tinto talking about. I probably shouldn't say that, but I was in talking about the country by country reporting. And so you go in your in your breakfast to having zero client right through to someone who's using using some of the the, the biggest corporate tax. Um, solutions out in the marketplace. And why was I there? Because I was talking about the, the you know, BEPS Action 13 and the OECD and country by country reporting and the obligations that and the opportunities that those guys had to, and, and what, what, what they needed to utilize from a, from a software perspective. Some of those larger application software pieces are huge. It's a fallacy to think that it's tax is just tax. Tax is so more than tax software is just so more, to the, more than, than tax software just the nature of the beast. And it can, it can be not, I wouldn't say horrendously expensive. It's not expensive because it's expensive. It's expensive because it is, because of the capabilities and the functionality that exists, uh, that exists within the applications. And also the number of entities that you might have. For example, if you're trying to consolidate a group that might have three or 400 entities, you're not gonna do that in Excel and you're not gonna do it in zero. You're gonna find an application that uh, that does that, that that management. So I know, for example, a couple I, they may have well have changed, but up till quite recently, and they still may well be doing this. But MYOB, they didn't use an MYOB product to lodge their tax return. They used either CCH or Thomson Reuters, because they need they have. You think of the size of the group. You know, it's like the zero don't use zero to run zero. They use Netsuite. It's you, you use the application that is best suited to your business, even that is if that flies in the face of, but hold on a second, don't you sell this stuff? You utilize the product that is best suited for your marketplace. And NetSuite is an EP, EPS, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, ERP, sorry, Enterprise ERP, Resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ERP. When you think of the market that, that Zero have and the size of their client base, you know, two, three million clients, Zero itself could probably manage it, 
but you need actually you need a, a big beast to to be able to to manage that so it's 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 this kind of weird Yes, we write tax software, but we don't actually use that tax software ourselves. We use someone else's. It makes sense. It, it is. It, makes it, sense. It, that's it, because you're you're approaching a different market. Yeah, because zero is used by SMEs. Zero is not an SME, hence the software doesn't fit. Correct. But it's it's one of those things, because when I was actually selling these corporate tax tools, as I said, it was about, it's it's 10 years ago now, I would they, firms would say to me, so why would we buy it? Why do we need it? And I said, okay, and I would tell them that story about MIOB not utilizing the, the, this, their own solution. And they're like, oh, okay, actually, that does make sense. And so they would use those corporate tax solutions on some of their smaller clients. Sorry, when they're not smaller clients, but they have, most firms would use very complex Excel spreadsheets for about 5% of their clients. So they might have consolidated groups or they need to do some tax provisions, but that kind of, those kind of calculations. They could do them in Excel, but it was actually easier to do them in at that stage, uh, one source from, from Thomson Reuters. It was easier to do it that way. That product then actually came from the big four. So they sold it to from PwC back in 2007, I think that it was. I have two questions for you. One sure. is off topic and one is related. And that is a software solution where you can attach receipts or working papers into the relevant tax field or directly in the system. Based on what you said, I assume that TaxLab or Logit allows yeah. that to do. I think also Thomson Reuters. Yeah, you, you basically you can attach substantiation documentation to it. So, and that's that's quite common in the in the the paid for solutions. So yeah, so you, you can't do it in zero, but anything you pay for, you probably can do it. You may well be able to do it in zero. No, I'm not. I'm not 100. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> so when you do a when you do an individual tax return, and let's say the uh, the client claims a tax deduction for a mobile phone they use only for business, you can't attach that receipt directly in the zero tax. Oh, okay. Well, you, you and all and the other ones you can. You can add, add, yeah. add, it's quite a common feature. Yeah, substantiation documentation is is very important. So when you're in, particularly from an audit trail perspective, and that that again makes up those cross referencing. So if there is a substantiation document, it'll be referenced, and therefore you need to just go oh, this reference to a working paper which has the substantiation document um, attached to that. So mm -hmm. that's that's part of that automation of the, those working papers. The other question that is very off topic and probably of no interest to anybody else, but mm. maybe a very, very few limited listeners. And that is usually, especially for smaller SMEs, et cetera, we tend to stay in one country. So you just lodge a tax return in Australia. There might be a question whether your export or import is mm -hmm. subject to GST or not, but you tend to be in one country. But once you step out of that and you have to lodge tax returns in other countries, it gets a lot more complicated. And I wanted to pick your brain and see whether there is software where you can basically do both in one go. And let me use a very basic example an American citizen who lives in Australia and has to lodge an individual tax return in Australia as well as a 1040 in America. Is there software where you basically can do both in one go, apart, you know, disregarding the fact that we have different financial years? Not to my knowledge. I mean, if they're an American citizen, they'll be covered, uh, potentially covered by FATCA. So the, 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 which is yes. the, the, yeah, yeah, they have to that. lodge FBARs, et cetera. Yeah. So possibly with relation to that, I mean, I'm, I don't know of one. I could be wrong, but I, I, I sorry, I, I probably am wrong, but I don't know of, of a solution that can do that. You, you may be able to access 
the software application, like a TurboTax or something like that, from via a VPN or something. But to um, the ATO will only accept, obviously, the um, an Australian tax return, and the IRS will only accept a um, yes, of course. Typically, though, I mean, certainly, I've got a couple of American friends here that lodge tax returns, and they do them. America is very paper based, so they're still lodging uh, paper based tax returns. It's uh, yeah, I, I, off the top of my head, short answer, don't know. the small niche software providers like BGA, like Class, which I think are slowly moving into zero and NYUB territory. I'm especially thinking of the trust software that is now being developed. That is definitely moving into the territory of the other softwares, don't you think? I think there is an opportunity to create a better product. And, and what I mean by that is that when you create a suite of tools, and let's use MYUB as an example, you have to be as good good enough to get it to get a buyer. So what, and what I mean by that, your practice management has to be okay, your tax has to be okay, corporate compliance has to be okay, document management has to be okay, and I'll just leave it at that one. Those one, and trust trusts have to be okay, because they all connect through to a suite in 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 the middle. None of those individual components can be best of breed, uh, because it's impossible. Because the whole suite is built for a price, so they sell it for a price. So the advantage of a class or the advantage of a BGL in that particular space is that they can actually go out and make a really good product and they can sell it because there'll be people out there who go, you know what, the MYOB trust, and I'm just using them as an example, it's not good enough for what I need. I'm going to see what else is out there. And if there is a better product, then they stand a better chance of actually buying the better product. So... What I'm seeing, particularly the last 10 years, has been there has been massive innovation in technology, particularly since the advent of the cloud or the acceptance of, of the cloud. And I'll use actually, I'll use it as a German philosopher, um, Arthur Schopenhauer, that I, I often refer to in, in all of my presentations. And what I talk about, he in the 19th century said, truth comes in three stages. First, it's ridiculed, then it's violently opposed, and then it becomes the norm. And I changed the word truth for technology. So when a technology comes into the marketplace and we look at, let's look at cloud, when it first came out, people are just going, that's ridiculous. I am not going to put anything up in the cloud. I'm going to use the, the box that I can see over in the corner. And that's where I prefer all my world to be. And the more and more people have started talking about cloud, people got really pushed back. You know, not interested in cloud, not interested in cloud. And now today, most firms have gone cloud. There's a big, or the large proportion have the, have gone cloud. The same happens with the individual apps. People saying you, we want to buy a suite because we want to have one throat to choke, right? So if, if it's if we buy a Myob and if something goes wrong with trusts, then we are going to you know go to Myob and say fix this. But the problem is is that Myob at the and certainly over the last couple of years, and same with APS and same with HandySoft, is that they're all fundamentally trying to compete for the same size market. And they all have to be within a certain price point, which means every element within that suite is really just as good enough as it can be to get a sale as part of that suite. And I think accountants have become clever in the sense of they're becoming more aware that you can actually now with cloud, you can buy solutions that are better than you can buy from uh, um, like an individual company like a BGL that says, we, yeah, we're known for uh, corporate compliance and we're known for self-managed superannuation. 
we're just we're developing a trust solution. Now, I'm not aware of this particular one, I must say, but I'm just using it as an example. We're developing a trust solution. They have got enough non-competing solutions amongst those three that people will go, actually, I will take a look at that because that sounds of interest because I know the other two products that they do, they do them really, really well. And it's probably it could potentially be better than the one I've currently got. And so the innovation piece that I talked about before is that there was a lot of skepticism about the cloud. And what we saw in 10 years was this almost vertical rise of innovation. So the innovation just skyrocketed and it was almost vertical. Over the last two to three years, it's plateaued. It's just leveled out. And there isn't, there really fundamentally, in my view, hasn't been a lot of innovation in, in any kind of technology. It, it is now basically each of the vendors if you look at reporting tools, if you look at even self-managed superannuation, there's only so much that you can do within the technology. There isn't a lot of bells and whistles that you can do. So one week class might have a particular functionality that BGL doesn't. And then two weeks later, BGL's created that functionality and something else to which class don't have. Three weeks after that, class matches that functionality and adds something else into the mix. And so there's this constant, I call it um, line card ticking. So if you look at a, a, a product feature set, on one side, you've got all of the functionality, and then you have two vendors. And you get tick, cross, tick, 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 cross, 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 cross. And it's over time, they will all be ticks. It's inevitable. So mm -hmm. to, to make the comparison of a product, you're going, well, I look at class and I look at BGL, they're the exact same. But fundamentally, they are also different at the same at the same time. I think with that, that trust thing that you're talking about there, it's, the, it's uh, whichever one is creating it is actually created, decided to do something different and to create a product that is intrinsically different to what they normally sell. It's just that both class and BGL started with SMSF. They're both now moving into trust. At least class is also already eyeing companies. So it's only a matter of time until... They basically cover the same market as zero if they decide to really go down that way. And, and that goes to my point about innovation. So innovation being vertical and then just leveling off because they companies are realizing, well, we have to somehow um, differentiate ourselves to our closest competitor. What can we do? We'll do something in the trust space or we'll do something in the company space. Will they completely overtake the incumbents who do all of that stuff? That's debatable. But they might get to a point, and, and you, we spoke earlier about Receipt Bank, about the, the missed opportunity of buying Receipt Bank versus HubDoc. Receipt Bank are, are a great example of that, where they're actually now in a bind because MIOB have got their own expense scanning solutions. Zero have got HubSpot. QuickBooks have developed their own. All of the major vendors have all created their own receipt scanning solutions. And Receipt Bank is now out on its own. So what are Receipt Bank doing? Well, it looks as though they're heading into the general ledger space. So they're actually, they realize that they have to reinvent themselves and create a GL in order to say, look, not only we're, we, you know us as a receipt scanning organization, but we're actually, we do GL as well. So you don't have to buy a, a, another product. You can just buy Receipt Bank. And so these companies are right now are, are struggling to, to, diff, to be different. Um, because the, the product's functionalities are getting so and so incredibly um, similar as time goes by. There's a great quote by a guy called James Clear, and he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And he said, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. 
And part of the things that I talk about in that is the the whole fact that firms are, you, they got to think outside of the box sometimes in the same, I know, and I know that's very difficult to do and it's very flippant of me to be able to say it, but it is a, a scenario of, don't think that you're it, like the frog in the saucepan. That you know, it's this, your world is inside the, uh, the, the 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 frog in the saucepan. There is a whole pile of opportunity out in the in the marketplace based on what you want to achieve as the accounting firm. So that could be something where do you want to tackle a different market or do you want to investigate a different market? Technology can do anything these days, and it's about just getting some of the, the rise. So don't don't. Consider your goals limited by the, the the what your current capabilities are from a from a software perspective. Talk to someone like me. Talk to someone like yourself who might be talking to a lot of people to say, "I'm interested in doing this. Do you know anybody that can help me um, attack those some of those issues?" The other thing that I'd be really keen to to tell people, particularly in the accounting firms, is that robotics are an aid. Um, AI is an aid. But it is basically a scenario of to replace tax specialists in particular with computers, machine learning, AI, robotics, all that sort of things. The clients will actually need to accurately explain to you what they want or to certainly to the computers what they want. And what I've, what I've found certainly is that clients can't even explain it to a human. So they're not going to be able to explain it to a computer what they want. So my message, I guess, from that perspective is you're, you're safe. All right. So tax compliance, no matter how many people say it's, you know, tax is, is dying and it's dying, it's death and it's had its day, tax compliance isn't going to go away, right? Between, across all individuals, companies, partnerships, trust, tax, it is, it is here for a very, very long time. So don't worry about any of that stuff. In closing, Heidi, I think one of the things going back to the part of the, the earlier discussion, which is the, the, the great soft myob acquisition takeover, call it what you will, is that there's a firms I think should hold back for a few minutes, no, not a few minutes, but for a while just to see what happens over the next quarter or two. If your systems aren't broken, there's not a huge need to suddenly jump out and fix them. Is it, is it, not the ideal situation. Of course, it's not the ideal situation because if you had plans to move from one, from say Myob to move to Greatsoft, then those plans have kind of been scuppered for the moment, but it's not the end of the world. We just need to find out what the what the result of the ACCC will be. And that'll give us the, and the market certainly a lot more clarity as to what the future direction is going to be. It's then absolutely going to be incumbent on uh, MIOB if this is a successful merger to clarify and stipulate what this will mean for the accounting firms that utilize their products going forward. They'll need to give clarity over AO, they need to give clarity over AE, they need to give clarity over the connected practice, they need to give clarity over the, over the great soft and what the plans are from that. And they also need to give absolute understanding to the marketplace is how long those products are going to be supported for. Welcome back. So there are many solutions out there to manage your tax workflow. The trick is just to find the right one for you. If you would like to hear more about Alan's background, then please listen on after this since I edit this later. We have two more episodes to go this year. One technical episode on Monday and then next Tuesday, our final episode for 2020, the top 10 podcasts for Australian accountants. That episode will be a labor of love. A lot of hours and TLC is going into that one. I hope you will like it. 
Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. Who am I? Okay, I'm Alan Fitzgerald. So I've been in tax and accounting technology for about 22 years, coming up on 22 years. Prior to that, I was in the computer chip business. So I was in semiconductors. So in technology, oh, approximately 28 years. And I started with Solution 6 back in 1999. And I've worked for a variety of uh, vendors, including APS for a number of years and Thomson Reuters for probably the largest chunk of my career in their corporate tax and international tax. And I was the, uh, the national account manager for accounting firms for, for the tax software um, suite for Thomson Reuters. And then in 2014, I, me and my wife, we took off around the world and we traveled for, you know, for 15 months. And I came back and I dusted my hands off and I said, no more tax and accounting for me. And I got into the legal space. And what was really interesting was about two months after I arrived, I'm, I'm very prolific on LinkedIn. And I wrote a few articles on LinkedIn and some of my old clients popped up and said, hey, look, could we pick your brain? Because we're thinking of making some changes with technology in the firms. And so I helped out oh, probably three or four firms at that stage. And one of them was my old accountant, my accountant, I should say, and in particular, the managing partner. And he turned to me at the end of the process and he said, mate, I think there's actually a business in this for you. And so I created Practice Connections in um, 2015, the end of 2015. And so these days I help firms and corporates of all shapes and sizes. So from a sole practitioner, this is my smallest client, through to the big four, industrial companies such as large mining companies and banks where I've done some work for, basically help them with tax compliance in particular and, and the software applications. Um, internationally, I do country-by-country country reporting for a an organization based in Switzerland called Otico. I wear a hat here in Australia for a strategic market advisor for Tax Lab, which is a new product suite to enter into the Australian market, although they're quite, uh, quite well known in the New Zealand market. And uh, I help firms all over the place. And most recently, the ones that coming to me are the guys that are looking for assistance now that there's been an announcement that Greatsoft um, are being acquired by Myob. So I give strategic advice and as much assistance as I can to firms of, uh, where possible. Mm-hmm.